So I'm glad you're here this morning. I'm glad to be here this morning. Obviously, Scott is not here. And it's going to be a little awkward later this afternoon if uh, we see where he posted a bunch of pictures while he was at the soccer game. But hopefully that won't be a part of it. But regardless, uh, I want to spend a few minutes uh, speaking of Scott several weeks ago. Um, I like to say he really began to make the Psalms real for me. As he began to speak and talk of things and the emotion and things of the Psalms, as I began my study, um, for the first time I was really able to grasp that the authors of these Psalms were real people. They had real thoughts and they had real emotions. It wasn't just something that they wrote to write. It was really something that was reflective of him and of their lives. And um, as I began to read through them, I began to notice a kind of an underlying theme that really became more real as I began to think about it. And so I'm going to ask you this morning, have you ever been lost? you ever been lost? I mean, not like turned the wrong way at a red light. Okay, not that kind of lost, okay? Maybe uh, somebody gave you the wrong address. No. Uh, perhaps one time you were at a circus and you got separated from your family and you were rescued by a clown. I don't know. Can't find your car when you're ready to leave the mall. Yeah, not that kind of lost. I'm talking about lost. Hypothetically speaking, like one time you and your wife and your daughters were going on a trip, you were flying out of Austin, and you were at the kiosk at the airport in San Antonio wondering why you couldn't get your boarding pass. Hypothetically speaking. <laughs> anyway, you ever thought about how hard it is to get lost in today's world? Honestly, seriously. We have global positioning satellites, GPS. Google Maps and Google Earth. Soon there will be driverless cars, and one of the reasons for that is so you don't have to worry about getting lost. I don't know really how you do it, but apparently you can pick this thing and up and ask Siri, and she will tell you. I would imagine, if hopefully if we asked her where we were this morning, she would say at church at Johnson Street. You see, I never really had a fear of being lost. I had a fear of being late, as you'll hear a little bit later, but as a child, I was born with a built-in GPS system. Had it my whole life, and I always knew that if I ever got lost, all I had to do was just sit down and be very still. Just sit there and be very still, and I could begin to think about doing something wrong. And I could think a little longer and a little harder about doing something wrong, and then as soon as I stood up and began to act, on doing something wrong, I knew that someone would walk up and go, you're Slick Duncan's boy, aren't you? And I would simply say, yes, I am, and I would follow him out. I mean, I can't ever remember doing anything wrong that somebody didn't say that. So anyway, that was the way I got through it. So I guess when we really think about truly being lost in today's world, I call it Fox News Lost. You know what Fox News Lost is? Okay, that's where Shep Smith and uh, about a hundred other news trucks show up, okay? It's usually an older person or a child that's, uh, you know, that has been, that is, that is lost. You know, they put eyes in the skies, they put boots on the ground. But really, being lost in today's world is so rare. 
being truly lost is so rare that when it is, it literally captivates us as a nation. We are glued to our televisions. We are constantly looking to see if that person or that child have been found. As I said several weeks ago when Scott really began this study, I really began to kind of think about, as we would listen, um, the emotional, he made them real, of some of the things of how terrifying it must have been for people back in that day to be lost. You ever thought about that? Living in a country where there is definitely not an abundance of food and water, where your sense of direction was on the sun, moon, and the stars. Very simple. In these people's lives, becoming lost could end in death. So when the psalmist began to speak throughout their psalms and their themes are speaking, although it's only mentioned lost three times in the entire book of Psalms, there's an underlying thing. I, you, the first one you think about is in Psalms 23. Of course, we all know it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths. Later on, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff. And at the end... Surely your goodness and your love will follow me. We think about words like lead, guide, you are with me, you will follow me. In our world, that doesn't seem like much, but in that world, we can imagine how comforting those words meant to someone. We go to Psalms 25 and in the fourth verse, it says, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths and guide me in your truth. Once again, in today's world, paths and things like that, the sense of guidance, we really don't quite understand it or we don't look at it. Really as personal as it was for the psalmist back then. Because you see, throughout the psalms, they say things like, He leadeth me. Walk near me, O Lord. Hold me close. Guide me. He places my feet. Hold my hands. Those are words that they use that are not just descriptive, but those are words that have true meaning meaning that for them could have meant the difference in life and death. As, as Ryan read earlier in the 73rd Psalms, go to the 23rd verse and it says, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand once again. You guide me with your counsel. Later on, for behold, those are the, for those who are far from you shall perish. but it is good to be near God. That may not mean much to you, but as I began to continually read through these psalms, I just found really and made a connection of really how the thought of being lost in our world 
It's not very real anymore, but in their world, it must have been a fear, an emotion, something they dealt with every day. In fact, in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew language, there were three different words for lost. One of them was a verb, an action word, you know, the act of being lost or misplaced, obviously. Then there was a, an, an adjective, a descriptive term. Of course, you know, he's hopeless, he's gone, he's doomed, can't find his way. But interestingly enough, there was also a noun. A noun is a person, a place, a thing, it's an identifier. And that simply meant lost. Who is he? Not he is lost, lost. A way to be identified simply as lost. I thought that was really interesting. So back in, the, back in those times, you know, we have Fox News lost. But they had what I like to call Israelite lost. You know what Israelite lost is? Well, you can go to Numbers, book of Numbers, and find in the 32nd chapter. And we know that Moses is leading the Israelites, and they had sent the spies out, and ten of them came back and said, there's no way we can take them. And of course, uh, Caleb and Joshua said we could, but the, the people said, oh no, we can't, we can't. So God got angry with them. And actually it said the Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he made them wander in the desert for 40 years. You ever thought about that? He made them wander in the desert for 40 years. And he did that until a whole generation of those who had done evil in his sight were gone. Wander. This was not some kind of like organized march that they got up and went on every day. For 40 years, God took his people and they woke up every day lost. Lost, confused, no direction. Not knowing where they're starting or where they were going to end that day. Man, I'd like to think what it must have been like to have been a man in that, uh, that bunch of folks. All right, Pam and I can be going to the store and I can get over here in College Hills and get off on Oxford or something and I'm just looking for Sol Ross and I get lost and it's all our marriage can do is to last those few seconds or minutes. I can only imagine 40 years of, honey, turn here. No, we should go there. We should, and shut up. I've got this. I, can, no, I cannot even fathom. But it's interesting how God didn't just put them out in that desert and leave them out there. No, he punished them. He made them lost. And so I would imagine when they finally found the promised land, it had more of a symbolic meaning or more of a true meaning for those next generations that come. They truly know what it was like to be lost. So this morning, as we're here, I want to focus somewhere in between Israelite lost and Fox News lost. Okay? I want to try to capture that passion, you know, the depth of emotion that spiritual concept of being lost that the psalmist had in our world, where it's difficult to even hide 
let alone be lost. Have you thought about that? I, I spend my days in my office trying to be lost. They know where I'm at all the time. So really, we're going to look somewhere at that. And So the first thing I'm going to ask you this morning is, are you really lost if somebody else knows where you are? Okay? Are you really lost if you're just not where you're supposed to be? And finally, you may be lost. You may think you're lost, but you may be right where you need to be. So first, are you really lost if someone else knows where you are? Have you ever thought about that? Are you lost? You may not know where you are, but if somebody else knows where you are, you're really lost. You may not can find your way out, but you know what? They can come find you, so are you really lost? Well, I'll tell you this morning, if you're wandering around and you're hopeless and helpless and hapless, you're not lost. And you're not alone. If you're here this morning, you've lost hope in ever finding your destination. You're not lost. You must simply turn your eyes to Jesus. In your life, do you feel lost because the lines between perception and reality have become so clouded that you can't tell the difference between night and day? You are not lost. We simply have to seek Him. Is your path no longer passable? Can you just not go any farther? We know He will hold our hand. He will pick us up. He will lift us. Do you feel lost this morning because your moral compass has become just void and unable to provide you any direction at all? I tell you, you're not lost. He will come find you. If any of those things describe you this morning, any of you here this morning, I am so glad you found your way here. You are not lost. So secondly, are you really lost if you're just not where you're supposed to be? Are you lost if you're just not where you're supposed to be? Are you here this morning and you're uh, confused and frustrated by where you find yourself in life? You're not lost. And you're not alone. Maybe this morning you just simply lost sight of your destination. Very simply. We're not lost. All we must do is turn our eyes to Jesus. Have those lines of perception... Uh, between perception and reality, or are they just a little out of focus? You're not lost. Just as if we can't find the difference between night and day, if they're just a little blurry, he says, all you have to do is seek me out. Maybe your path is not impassable. It's just becoming a little cluttered, and the incline is becoming a little steeper. You're not lost, and you won't be lost. If you trust that He will just hold your hand, and He'll lift you up. And finally, maybe this morning, maybe your moral compass isn't broken. 
but maybe it needs to be recalibrated. You're not lost. He tells us, I'll find you and I'll fix you. I will find you and I will fix you. If that describes you this morning, I'm so glad you found your way here. Lastly, talk about, are you lost? You think you're lost, but maybe you're right where you need to be. You knew a story was coming. You knew it had to be coming. I'm just going to tell you before this one starts, I have a great imagination. I admit that sometimes I will embellish things, but at the end of this one, you're going to have to understand that not even Mark has that good an imagination. He has to be telling you the truth. It's been about 25 years ago before all of this other stuff came about. You actually used maps, and, and you read them, and you followed them, and that's how you got somewhere. But in the, I had a friend of mine in the rodeo world. He was an older gentleman. He had had a, a kind of a tough life. He called me one evening and said, my oldest son was tragically killed. He said, we're going to have a small graveside service for him, and I wonder if you would be there. So you don't have to wonder if I'll be there, Bob. I will be there. You tell me when and you tell me where. He said, it's going to be Wednesday morning in San Antonio. He gave me the name of the cemetery. I got home. I told Pam, hey, Wednesday morning I'm going. So we got the map out. We fixed it. I got up. If it's a 10 o'clock funeral, I left at 5 o'clock. Remember, I'm not fear of being lost, but I got a fear of being late. And off I went to San Antonio. Man, it was perfect. No traffic. I couldn't have had a police escort and gotten there any quicker. I get to the cemetery, it is 8.30 in the morning. I get there, I look to my left, there's a tent, there's a hearse. In fact, as I look over there, the cemetery workers and the funeral home director are actually taking the casket and laying it above the grave. And so practicing proper, you know, cemetery etiquette, I pull right up behind the hearse. I mean like right up behind the hearse, hour and a half till it's gonna start. I roll my wind down. Tell the funeral home director, hey, look, I'm going to take a little nap. Fast forward an hour and a half later. There is a, on my window, and I did not just take a nap. I went to sleep. And I'm in a fog, and I kind of look, and there's that funeral home director, and he's like, and I look over to my left, and sure enough, there is a sea of cowboy hats. I'm like, oh, my goodness gracious, so i got to see Bob, i got to get to Bob, so I get out and I put my jacket on, straighten my tie, put my cowboy hat on, and I make my way over to the back of that sea of cowboy hats. And I begin to look for Bob, where's Bob, where's Bob? It is about this point in time that I come to realize that all of those cowboy hats are identical. And that underneath all of those identical cowboy hats are women wearing their riding group costume regalia. I did not remember Bob being in a riding group, particularly an all-women's riding group. I am beginning to sense that something is not right. I start looking, and I see another tent over there, and another tent over there. And believe it or not, there was another tent over there. I'm from Lovington, New Mexico. We're a one-tent town, okay? 
the thought or the idea that there could be multiple funerals going on at the same time never crossed my mind. I am coming to grips with that realization when suddenly there becomes the biggest ruckus that I've ever heard in my life. And a cowboy preacher, the only other gentleman there besides myself and the funeral home director, we're going to call him Festus, begins taking a rope and beating on that casket. There was going to be a roundup of all the saints, of all the other, and I mean, it, it was wild. I thought to myself, if I'm going to be at the wrong, fu or at the wrong funeral, I picked a great one, man. <laughs> Festus was awesome. He was awesome. At one point in time, I was thinking about hiring him for the rodeo as a specialty act. I mean, it was awesome. And I mean, he carried on, and it was, it was, it was amazing. And I was enthralled, but suddenly, Festus just stopped. And this voice that he had been screaming and yelling, he talked as calmly and as quietly as anything, and he says, you know, we all knew and loved our Emma. You know, she could outdrink anybody, and the whole church said, amen. <laughs> he said, you know, Emma, man, she can outride anybody, and the church said, Amen. Says, you know, oh, Emma, she could outcuss anybody. Church said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Said, you know, in fact, if it came right down to it, oh, Emma could outfight anybody. And the church said, Amen. And I thought, I like Emma. I like Emma. And then he said, But you know, before there was the Emma we knew, there was another Emma. It said several months ago when she found out she was terminally ill, she called me and she asked me to come visit with her and I visited with her every day. And through our visits, through our time together as her life was becoming to end, Emma shared some things with me. And one of those things was the fact that at one point in time she had been a mother. Before she was the Emma we had known, she was Emma the mother. And going through that, I encouraged her that she needed to reach out to her child and she needed to reconnect and that she needed to, to kind of tidy up all those feelings and everything she had. And he looked me straight in the eyes and he said, Son, we are so glad you came here to say goodbye to your mama. <laughs> Now, Mark's got an answer for everything, but he said, is there anything you want to tell us about your mama? And I just went. <laughs> Understand, it's at this point in time that I passed out, more or less. I lost consciousness. I vaguely remember being surrounded with people, and they were, they were comforting me. And they were ushering me somehow, some way through that mass of people down to the front row where the velvet seats are for the family. And literally, I find myself down there, and for the next 45 minutes, people came and loved on me. They cried with me. At one point in time, Brother Festus offered to give me money from the church to defray the expenses that I had for coming to my mother's funeral. 
When I came to, I was sitting on that chair. <laughs> Just like that. I don't know how long I'd been there, but they were all gone. And I heard a voice. And it said, You're not where you're supposed to be, are you? <laughs> I said, No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. <laughs> I had been thinking I'm either going straight to heaven or straight to hell, but man, what has just happened? About that time, he put his hand on my shoulder. The funeral home director did, and he said, you know, son, I beg to differ. I think this morning you were right where you needed to be. <laughs> yeah, I was lost, but maybe I was right where I needed to be. That's kind of an interesting story, to say the least, but... I think it tells us that we can find comfort this morning that no matter how lost we may be or how lost we may feel, you are right where you need to be. If not for yourself, for someone else. I know I'm glad that you were here for me. This morning I want you to understand and leave here this morning knowing and realizing and finding comfort in the fact that God is bigger than lost. Forgiveness is more powerful than lost. His grace seeks out the lost, and Jesus came to save the lost. And by golly, churches should welcome the lost. Yeah. Our elders and our church staff are here this morning. They'll pray for you, they'll pray with you, they will pray over you. There are men and women in this church that are here this morning who are willing to lead you if they're lost. They're willing to walk beside you if you need a friend. They will pick you up and carry you if you are broken. Don't leave here this morning feeling lost. Because lost is nothing. And we are nothing without him. No matter what your needs are, Feel free to come fill those needs as we stand together and sing.